Straight Out of Gibraltar, sponsored by Coca Cola. Welcome to Straight Outta Gibraltar, bringing you interviews and all the best music from the Gibraltar music scene. If you like what we do, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash straight out of Gibraltar. Hey guys, welcome once again to Straight Outta Gibraltar and it's a brand new episode and we bring you a brand new episode bi-weekly and obviously when we bring you a brand new episode bi-weekly, we try to pretty much give you the new episode as a surprise as to not reveal who the guest is, but sometimes it's very hard not to actually announce who the guest is because it gets people looking forward to it. And even our guest looks forward to it as well. So we're going to welcome our guest this week. And of course, I always say, and I think he's going to kill me for this, but we wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for him. So we want to thank Jason for joining us and we welcome Jason Belilo. Jason, welcome. Let me get the knife out and kill you now. <laughs> How are you doing? Not so bad yourself. Oh, okay. I just have to correct you a bit. It wasn't just me, I have to add. No, I was all. Uh, Alex and Jonathan as well. Alex and Jonathan were, were involved, I have to say. It was uh, the GLMS, which is what you were referring to, was originally an idea that Jonathan had. He wanted something similar to what they had in Cardiff University. Yep. And obviously, Alex uh, and I knew him. Alex was in Cardiff University as well. And Jonathan and I played in the same band. So when I came back and Alex came back, we started it off. You have to remember, at that time, there wasn't a live music venue. And in Gibraltar, uh, you have peaks and troughs with, with live music. Yep. Suddenly, it's in favour. Everybody wants to see a live band. And then nobody, people want, I don't know, DJs. Or they just want background music or no music at all. And then it comes back into fashion. And at the time, yep. there was nothing. We didn't have a rock and rock club. Not as we know it, no, there, was it a rock the rock, around, yeah. there was a rock on the rock club, but it was mostly, I have to say, uh, shut down. It was never open to the public. They were constantly trying to um, fix it up. Yeah. And it never happened until obviously the album took over. Uh, but in the interim period, we, we used to, uh, simple things, we used to get places like the Gasa, which was one of our favourite venues, hire it out, for, if I remember correctly, for 50 quid. 
They took the proceeds out the bar and we took the proceeds out the door. And it was a great place because we had the generation station right next to it. So people couldn't really complain about the music because as soon as you stepped out of the gas premises, you couldn't hear the music anyway. You could just hear the generating um, uh, motors turning, you know. Uh, we did that for a number of years. Yeah, I remember going to one in Turnard Ford, if I recall. And I remember being seeing the Slades there, and I remember seeing your brother Stephen there. And I, no need, sounds weird calling him Stephen. <laughs> but, but I mean, I just remember seeing all these bands and getting to know all these bands as well as I did as the years have gone by. But I was always amazed because at the end of it, it's like you said, it was at the Gasser, which wasn't really a live music venue, but it played yeah. off to be a very popular live music venue. It was what we had. And uh, I don't know if you remember, we used to have this uh, elderly couple yes. that used to come in. I don't know, I, they're probably dead now. Guys actually, they did pass away. Yeah, um, they passed away. Yeah. Oh. There's actually a post on Speed Freedom, and yeah. Debbie Crystal Rollinson actually commented on it. And my brother actually used to take care of them as well. Oh, yeah. it's, it's okay because obviously you do these things and you saw them almost on a weekly basis, and then obviously we stopped doing it. I remember seeing them on occasion at Cations where we used to do the summer nights, Yeah, stuff over there. And uh, I think you lose, you lose touch. You don't see them anymore. And I keep mentioning them always when I talk about the live music. I always, I always mention that couple because there were all these, you know, kids, anything from you know fourteen to to twenty ish young, and then this couple that were in the seventies, you know, ballroom dancing to Nirvana. You know, <laughs> it was mad, but it was great. And obviously, you mentioned the initial like uh, feedback. I know not even the feedback, but to get this going, pretty much, and get it launched and everything else, was it very nerve wracking? Because you never knew, never knew how much people would appreciate this sort of thing. Not, not. I don't remember it being so. Not really. It was um, maybe at first we were, you know, wonder whether we could pull it off. But once you do the first one, we knew you could, and then. See how far we could go, and we what we did go pretty far. We we did a couple of uh, beach bashes. Uh, I don't really remember those. Um, both of them at, at Little Bay, and the second one we did actually was in conjunction with the RGP, which was great because we knew uh, nobody was going to come here, no matter what the phone calls were, were going to be like. Nobody was going to stop it. And uh, I can mention a curious incident actually with the RGP. Um, <laughs> As long as nobody gets in trouble. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not going to mention any names, but um, I think it was Seven Sins that were playing, but it could have been another heavy band. I'm pretty sure it was Seven Sins. And they were doing their set, and obviously there was a mosh pit. And the police didn't understand the concept of a mosh pit. So all they saw were people pushing each other, and they were ready to get in. I remember Jonathan, myself, and whoever else was like, no, 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 it's, it's okay. They're not actually... Look at what they're doing. And at that point... Uh, I think Christian's amazed. People call him a samba. I don't know who he is. A big yeah. guy. Um, he fell over. Gene Hoagley. Gene Hoagley. He fell over. And everybody stopped. Helped him up. And then they all carry on. And then the police, when they saw that, they went, okay, it's, it's okay. It's a controlled chaos of some sort. Yeah. Well, that, that was, uh, I remember that was quite funny at the time. They didn't, it, it was part of the reason why they were, where was it? They were trying to understand the youth a bit better. Um, I'm not sure if it worked, but um, it did on that occasion. Yeah, I think it's pretty fascinating that you, when you guys came on board, you had the musicians that were already around, but they pretty much, I want to say, stepped up the game because obviously there was now a place where they or even go to some people to actually get a gig going as well. I suppose. Um, I mean, that included my band because, I mean, one of the reasons we did is because we wanted to play live as well. Yeah. <laughs> and 
the first. Uh, I mean, I used to I used to play live with um, Jamie Chappie. Yeah. At the time um, when I came back from uni, I didn't have a job. I'm playing gigs with him in Gibraltar, and up the coast was basically my job for a while. Um, few gigs, uh, you know, few and far between. But that's what that's what I had until I got a, a proper job, as my mum would say. Um, but most bands were, you know, bedroom musicians because they didn't have anywhere to play. So very much uh, sound check would take hours because people had wanted to do their entire set because they wanted to. It was the only chance they had to practice as a band for for many of them. Um, so. It, it did set up the game in the sense that they had to play in front of an audience. Yeah. There was an appetite for it. It was uh, the same people all the time. You know, the, um, every what was it? Every two weeks at least, or every month at least, would have a, a gig, uh, a gig at the at Gas or or other venue, and it was always the same group of people coming. They were tired of the usual things that were happening at the time. You know, blue sax uh, or, or equivalent <laughs> on other time. Um, it made a lot of bands. It made a lot of musicians out yeah. those those, uh, those sessions, which we then exploited when we started the summer nights. Yeah, which was great as well, and a great avenue. I must have made that as well. How important would you say Jamie Chappie has been to your career? Oh, well, he gave me my first opportunity, I suppose. Uh, so I'm always grateful. Um, Jamie's a very good musician, and uh, at the time he was doing the Manu Derwi, uh, yeah, album which we uh, talked about in depth in, in depth a few weeks ago. Yeah, I was part of the band that was trying to promote the album the Costa del Sol, the you know, ill-fated attempt, I should add. Um, I don't know. I always thought there was uh, the the guy, his manager, I think it was, or somebody in the back was trying to push for the album. I never got to meet him, meet him properly. Everything I always did everything through uh, for Jamie. Um, I enjoyed playing with James, so I enjoyed playing the album, even though it wasn't my thing. Yeah, I loved his other original material. Uh, one of my favorite songs that he wrote was "I'm Scared," and I, I always try to get him yeah. to uh, when I used to play with him to play play that song. There's one, you know, the "I'm Scared" song. He's like, "Oh, again, yeah, it's brilliant. Play it." And uh, we we started playing as um, it called Bourbon Street. It used to be called yeah. Chaplin's before that. Um, and that, that's how we met, actually, because I used to do the, I used to join the jam sessions I used to do there. Yeah. And that was on a Saturday. The jam sessions would finish, and then some musician, some accomplished musician, would play the evening uh, gig. And Jamie was one of those musicians. Sometimes he would join us with the jam. Sometimes he would start off the jam and then play his own stuff. And then eventually ended up in his band because of that. So, you know, I learned a lot from, from Jamie at first, and that prepared me for the other stuff that was coming up. So we're going to play that track now, and obviously you, you sent it to me, we can play it, and we'll be back with part two of this. So Jamie Chappie with I'm Scared. Hope you enjoy it. Every time I look into your eyes You hold me in a trance You hypnotize me So scared 
See the world around me disappear I'd lose it all if I could have you near Just to have you near Should I let my feelings show Or turn my back on love Never let you know Cause I don't have the strength To walk away You're in my thoughts Each night and every day Oh, I don't have the strength To let you go If this is love Why does it scare me so? I'm scared with part two that was Jamie Chappie with I'm Scared I hope you enjoyed that we talked a little bit more in depth as to pretty much what uh, Bourbon Street was not many people may know what Bourbon Street was uh, like a lot of millennials even people my age may not remember what Bourbon Street was but it was pretty much what Rock and Rock became eventually and obviously what you tried to achieve with the GLMS yourself alongside Alex and, and Jonathan as well but it was a very hot place for local music and a lot of, like we say a lot of musicians would go and perform there as well so progressing on, obviously, when you get to doing the, the whole GLMS thing, but even aside from that, you want to be, become a performer yourself, but you meet musicians along the way. So tell us about along the, along those lines from those musicians that you met. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> um, I'm constantly reminded of things I've done that I've forgotten that I actually did. Uh, so that's a problem for me because, uh, for example, I've 
played with Adrian for so long that we have done things with or without Adrian at the same level, and, and I, can't rem- I can't remember these things. Um, I can't remember how I ended up playing with Adrian, I'll be honest. Um, I know that Adrian and Eric were involved in a lot of the GLMS events that we did at Gas and all that, because uh, even though they were more accomplished than we were at the time as musicians, they, they were having the same problems, nowhere to play. Yeah. So any gig well, was a gig, I suppose. And maybe that's how I got to play with them. Um, I've been very lucky with, with Adrian because Adrian, musically, he wants the best guitarist, he wants the best drummers. So, I've, I mean, I've played at some point with, I mean, obviously I'm playing with, with Pesino now. Um, I've played with uh, Charlie Moore. One of my favorite drummers to play with because uh, we we had uh, I think we had a lot of chemistry. I don't know what Charlie would say about that, but <laughs> I, I, I I used, to, I used to enjoy uh, playing with Charlie a lot. Uh, not that I didn't enjoy playing with others, but um, um, Albert Gonzalez was fun to play with as well. Um, those are the ones I've played mostly with with Adrian, and there've been others. Um, Peter Shishon actually stepped in a few times uh, to cover for. I can't remember it was Charlie Wild, but I couldn't make it. Um, and Posito as well, actually, yeah. a couple of times. Not too much, but just two or three times, I think. Um, so I've been very lucky. I've played with the best drummers in yeah. Gibraltar. Uh, uh, as John Bonham was in Gibraltar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the, I suppose I've also been lucky, and it's something I noticed only last week or the week before. There are not that many bass players in Gibraltar. No, I think many bands will agree with you right there. There's always an ad somewhere, and as their band, and we're looking for a bassist, yeah. but there's even bassists looking for bands, and it never works out, unfortunately. The, there was a point I was playing with, uh, with Adrian, I think we were recording um, some of the songs that I actually sent to you, the songs for you and, yeah. uh, and, and the other Bobby ones, too, which I was reminded by Adrian that I'd recorded and I'd we're doing it for the boys on the black stuff. I thought it was a new song. I didn't really have recorded it already. Um, and uh, I was playing also covering for wrestlers whose bass player, I can't remember whether he left or he broke his arm or something. And there was a national day concert to play. And that concert I played with Super Walkie with Adrian or to Coram and I can't remember what, what guys we were, but with Jonathan basically and wrestlers. And at the same time, uh, Spoons, yeah, well, and, 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 and I was asked whether, and I said, look, mate, I can't, I don't have the hours in the day. Uh, which would have been a pain, it would have been interesting to do that. Um, and that's because I was available, I, I think I'm a decent, I wouldn't say I'm the best bass player around, but I do go to rehearsals on a weekly basis, and uh, that's, I think, one of the problems bands have. I mean, you can find bass players, or musicians in general, by getting enough of them in a group that actually go and practice yeah, you know, week in, week out. I think that's why you find that most bands locally always have the same people. Like they talk about Adrian Newell's played with Eric. He's played with Albert for many times, and obviously um, Jonathan Mujeda and all. Yeah, it's not just locally; it's an international it, phenomenon. It's an if you look, thing, yeah. uh, I tell people if you go and look at I don't know these uh, Jonathan Ross or Graham Norton that was having musical guest. Not when it's a band, but when it's a you know performer like I don't know anyone that's a singer songwriter type person. Look at the backing band. And then the following week, look at them again. And after seeing a series, you start recognizing it's the same backing singers, not, maybe not every week, yeah. but constantly. 
And you go, well, it's the same thing that you know, musicians know that they can rely on so and so and so and so and so and so. And if they're available, they get them. Yeah, Keith Richards is not fed up with Mick Jagger yet, so that's a bad thing. <laughs> but they do all their own separate things exactly, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But it works, you know. But when you see that, obviously, like there was more, I, I want to say more of a unionship when it came to local music because you'd got something together and it worked, you know, there was the, all the musicians had a common goal. Obviously, now there's too many venues, but at the same time, not all of them are offering live music like Rock on the Rock and Dot Nelson's, etc. Um. Yeah, you, I mean, it happens with everything, doesn't it? Uh, you have a common goal. You get more people unifying for that common goal. Once you reach the goal, and for us, reaching that goal was uh, the opening of the Rock of the Rock Club. Because once, I mean, at the time, and we were trying to get a rehearsal room, so we were trying to get, um, you know, anywhere for bands to hang about and, you know, hone the craft and all that. Um, and then luckily, I suppose for us, uh, Alan beat us to it. We got this place up and running because yeah. I remember the time we go, yeah, the Rock and Roll Club, but it's not working. It's there and it's been unused. Alan did that, and then we thought, well, Rock and the Rock Club are doing it. By that by that time, we'd done was it third year of uh, Casemates Summer Nights. Um, so remember the the first year of Summer Nights, for example, um, which I should add, it was an idea born from Mario Lugarero, which yeah. was president of the GFSB, and she approached Jonathan. So look, I need entertainment. Can you provide? And we got all those groups. I used to play with the GLMS and put them on the back of a truck, basically. Yeah. Como <laughs> you know, back of a truck. I, had so, I remember I had so many holes that we didn't know how to put, you know, amps and all that. It was a nightmare for for the electricity authority because Casemates wasn't designed for entertainment. That's all. It was they had, yeah. Because of summer nights, they introduced the three phase system that you have in the middle. Well, not the middle. It was on the side. Uh, basically behind where the stage usually goes in, in casemates. Yeah. That wasn't there before when they designed casemates. There was no like nobody had an idea of saying, oh, you know what, we're gonna have events that are gonna need electricity. Yeah. Um and because of summer nights, that was set up. Then the following year we we bought was it the following year the year after we bought actually bought a stage, which the Rock and Rock Club has on news when they do stuff outside. And um and then GFSB took a step back because it wasn't working for them, for the shops and all that. And the Casemates tenants took over. And that's when live music re-emerged itself again. Yeah. Uh, Nelson's and uh, um, Oldswell. Yeah, yeah. Oldswell and Nelson's. And then sometimes uh, one of the other ones, uh, not Latina's one that was next to it, that's called something else. Tunnel. Tunnel, that's it. Yeah. They used to, they had it for a while. It was mostly Oldswell and, and, and still Nelson's actually. Nelson's still, yeah. still do that. And now we're Ocean Village, it's sort of, carried on uh, sax used to do something but they used to use the same bands week in week out yeah. so that was a bit um so sometimes i think back well, well we actually achieved a lot but because we overachieved i suppose okay. and our government has taken over um summer nights uh which is great because there's a less one less headache that i have um and obviously bigger budget um, you can bring people over yeah. the downside is not that many local bands play yeah and that's a big downfall, I dare say. Any other local musicians that you look up to? That have helped me? Or, or looked up to in any sense of the word? Uh, like inspirations, if that's the right terms to use. Because sometimes it's like you feel... I, I, I have to mention, because he's a bit of, of I think, an unsung hero, because we, uh, we talk about singer-songwriters like Adrian. 
and they're really, you know, everyone knows Adrian is great. They've got this aura about him, and he inspires yeah. a lot, right? But Eric is just as you know, Eric Robot, and I always, you know, look up to him because he, he's, I would call it the glue that keeps everything together. Yeah, um, Eric has a very good ear for music, and where they're playing, oh, that was brilliant, and Eric would say, "Yeah, but you were playing the wrong chord." Or you're playing the wrong note or whatever. That's in his like, DNA. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Um, but I noticed there was a time when Eric had some health, you know, health problems that he couldn't he couldn't actually physically play the, the, the guitar. And he was out of the band for a while. I, I personally could feel it, you know, yeah. his, him being omitted from the band because oh, we still played, it still sounded good and all that, but there's something missing. And uh, he, as I say, again, he's the glue that keeps everything together. And I noticed when he's not, playing he's the voice of reason let's just put it up <laughs> well i wouldn't say that i wouldn't go as far as that <laughs> although <laughs> in a good but, one but yeah uh, i mean lots of musicians i i i, I look at um I, I mean i'm always happy to see younger musicians like um i mean we both saw voltage the, the other week yeah. playing here we also bass player i had yeah um i, I remember being because we played on the same uh, same gig and we were in agent's room which is behind and uh, we just, you know, we were talking and doing whatever. And then we just, they started playing and we're like, well, let's go and check them out because they sound quite good, quite promising. Yeah. Despite the fact they didn't have a bass player. Um, I always like to see young musicians come up and, and play. Um, uh, Layla Roseband. I mean, I know that Jonathan Virginia <laughs> is in it, but um, Layla has developed tremendously yeah, since she started. I mean, she was, you know, it was always nice when I first heard of her, oh, well, this is different for, for Gibraltar. No, uh, um, proper country tones and all that. Yeah. She had uh, a really good backing band as well, very accomplished musicians. And every time I see her sing and you know play, she goes up another notch. I agree. Uh, so that's another one. Um, Try to think of other you know, more recent ones. I don't go out that much. I usually just go out when I'm working. <laughs> um, going back, you know, there's Jamie, there's Adrian, obviously. Uh, there must be more, I'm sure. Um, we were just talking local, I mean, internationally. How long have you got? <laughs> uh, um, local. Uh, well, yeah, I couldn't forget Tito Cipollina. Yeah. Always, uh, I, I, I managed to play with him a couple of times, uh, again, because I was available and he, his bass player wasn't. And with, uh, you know, Tito and Adrian, for that matter, getting um, you know, those gigs was. Uh, We've got this gig. We're playing these rock and roll standards. Can you come? No rehearsals. I mean, with the EC band, we didn't rehearse. We just, first time I played with Adrian with the EC band, it was like, well, these are the songs. Just look at Eric. And we'll take it from there. <laughs> and both your uncles. Yeah, yeah. And the same, in fact, the same applied with Jamie Chappie. Uh, Jamie might have taken the time to tell me what the chord sequence was. Mm. Uh, but uh, that, that was it. And once you play enough songs, yeah. And this is where jamming comes in. I always tell young people, to, you know, it's great to play with your friends and all that. Go to a jam. Nelson's due one on Thursday. Yeah. Um, go to a jam. Be uncomfortable, and learn from it. Yeah. Because that, that's how you learn. It's the best way, and I totally agree. So speaking about your friendship with Adrian, we're going to play Bobby and Soup, which is an unreleased song, and not many people have heard. It. I think this is the first time it's ever going to be played on something. I don't know. I could be mistaken, but I think it could be. But we're going to play that song and we'll be back in part yeah. three after this. It's going to appear, I should add, Bobby and Sue as in the um, Boys in the Black stuff, but it's going to be a different version to what you're going to hear now. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. So 
Bobby and Sue by Boys on the Black Stuff. Hope you enjoy it. No, Adrian Pisodo. Okay, Adrian Pisodo. <laughs> Sorry. Hope you enjoy it.
And we're back with part three. I hope you enjoyed that track. And like we mentioned, it is an unreleased track. And like we believe at least that it's not been played anywhere. But if it has, we'll be we're very surprised, I think. Because I don't think it's left any of the, of the band's computers, especially Adrian's at least. Because Adrian's kept it very sort of in a secret encrypted folder. Before, you know. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed it either way. So we're going to talk a little bit more in depth as to how these went on, obviously with Super Wookie and everything else, how that developed into something great, because it did. And obviously there was an album that came out in turn seven or turn six, I forget which one, but it was shortly before the Meridian gig when I actually got it myself. So Yeah, it was it was rushed. It was rushed in order to have it ready for the Meridian gig. Uh, I remember, actually, uh, it was rushed for two reasons, the Meridian gig and the fact that I was getting married and going away on honeymoon. And then when I came back from honeymoon, like two weeks after that, we had the Meridian gig. Yeah. So, uh, which was unfortunate because of my honeymoon, I bought the my Fender jazz bass that I use now, the Marcus Miller version. Uh, oh, it sounds brilliant. A lot better than the bass I used to record. <laughs> uh, and it's the one I use for the for the Meridian gig. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a bit of an experience. Uh, well, I interviewed Jonathan a few years ago and you told us all about that, the fact that you never got to meet the band as well. Um, that's true. But to be fair, from my side at least, um, I suppose Jonathan as a journalist, uh, <laughs> but um, having played in a number, not just with Maryland, but in a number of GMF, um, MTV calling uh, events, I've never been that bothered about watching um, you know, famous people. <laughs> um, or rather, not watching, but meeting uh, these people because I'd rather watch them play live yeah. than... Because if you know, there's always somebody that stays lurking around the backstage, you're trying to say, "Oh, I shook his hand or I took a picture," but then you're missing what's happening yeah. at the front stage. You know, um, it was never an issue for me. Um, I remember that gig, um, despite the large stage and this, there was loads of equipment, yeah. and most of it obviously was Marillions. Um, but I remember my bass rack was bigger than their bass rack uh, because they had you know smaller better equipment more expensive equipment but I remember we didn't uh, we didn't have monitors and we insisted that we needed at least two monitors yeah and you know we, we got them and then when Marillion saw them we we're okay we'll we'll have those as well because they didn't have monitors either and uh, uh, and they used them as well uh, it was a good gig I thought uh, in, was, pa- uh, I really in, in part I think because I have to be honest um I'd seen uh, the singer, uh, I forget his name right now. Steve Hogarth. Steve Hogarth, yeah. He'd play at the cave, and I went to that. That was brilliant. I really loved it. I actually liked it more than watching really Live. It's not my kind of music. I mean, there's yeah. a couple of songs that they play that I like, but in overall, in fact, uh, Sugar Mice in the Rain is one of my favourite songs yeah. from the Catching uh, Thrills album. Um, but that's about it. Yeah. And I, I don't let Fabian Vinette listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know Fabian loves him. Uh, but I think also a lot of the people that went uh, you know, in the crowd went because it was a live event. And at that time, we didn't have GMF. We didn't have, yeah. you know, we weren't as spoiled as we are now. And I don't think it was a lot of people's cup of tea. And we were a bit rockier, a bit faster. And some people in the crowd, I wouldn't say everyone, but some people in the crowd, I think, enjoyed our set because we we're a bit more lively. Than, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, down to, it's down to taste. It, it was enjoyable. How did that come about? That were you approached? Were you not? Uh, well, the obviously Fabian was the minister for culture then. Yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't Fabian that got us to play. Actually, it was um, uh, bad with names. It was a promoter. The promoter. We were recording the Super Wookie album, 
uh, with Peter Martinez and uh, the gig, you know, the Meridian gig uh, promoter uh, heard it or heard, and he liked what he heard. He said, oh, I'll have that band, and it was, it was that. It was right person, the right place at the right time yeah. scenario, um, and, that, and that's how we got it. It was. We didn't approach anyone to get it. We didn't. Uh, you know, it, it just happened, and you know, always grateful for it. And obviously, what I see is when we go on, obviously, Supergroup evolves and it continued for a certain amount of time. Obviously, now I want to say it's an hiatus, if that's the right term to use. Um, I'm the only member that's still active. Actually, that's not true. Martin is the drummer is playing again now. Yeah, with another yeah. Uh, but for a while, I was the only member still actively playing. Um, and on an occasion when I do my solo thing, with acoustic guitar, I put in a super Wookiee song or two, uh, if I can get away with it. Um, but I don't know. Um, I'm always up to play with anyone I've got the time. No? So um, if Jonathan were, come, were to come to me, oh, let's do something together, I would say yes, obviously. Yeah. Um, at the moment, that only happens when we happen to be on holiday together. We have our acoustic guitars, there's a barbecue going, beer flowing, and it. So we still have that, but it's it's you know getting the time. We're not professional musicians. We you know it's not what we do as a living. Um, uh, I wouldn't say not to playing with anyone really, let alone somebody that's a dear friend. Yeah. And, uh, I would be musically. We've done everything together. Yeah, and great tracks as well all the way. So tell us about strawberry from and strawberry foam, brother, and don't let the sun fool me. Strawberry foam was a track that. <laughs> Uh, it, it was uh, Sakura's idea. He came up with with, with most of it. Uh, it came about because uh, we went on a holiday once together, and um, this place in Yavoske, Benamaoma, uh, lovely food, and they had this. Uh, it looked like a milkshake, but it was actually una puma de fresa. <laughs> we had it that time. It was brilliant. Never seen it again. But then, because I'd never seen it again, I liked to tinker with food. I thought, okay, I'll make this. And for Christmas, I invited the guys over, and I said, look what I've got, strawberry foam. And um, Jonathan thought it was funny. He got he made the song, you know, probably in his head there and then. Um, I, I might have added something to the song, but honestly, I can't, I can't remember. Um, I remember when we recorded it, I was seriously ill. So how I got to go that high, I, I do not know. I remember I had to do those takes. Uh, Danny Fa was uh, was recording us. We had to do those takes time and time again because I was, you know, you know, in the way to my face. trying to sing really loud. I believe I had an effect in my throat, so I was more overhead cold. Um, but somehow we pulled it off. Well, I think we did. I hope we did. <laughs> Don't let the sun fool you was. One of the first songs I actually wrote back in around '97, or I mean, I've written stuff before, but nothing that's actually I thought was worth recording. Yeah, and um, that that whole story, the whole lyrics, um, uh, comes about from a book I read called Rose Madder. It was written by Stephen King, not under Stephen King, one of his other names that he used. Uh, and it was basically a story about this woman who was abused by her. Husband, who was a police, a policeman, and how she escaped, and the whole story, and the the whole song is about that, about being mistreated by, you know, abused yeah. by your partner, and running away from that, and how you're worth more than than the worth yeah. that you're giving yourself, and you're worth more than than your partner. That that was it because I because of the book I read, 
makes sense. So we're going to play them back to back, and obviously we'll come back with the first and final pot after that. So Super Wookie with Donald the Sun Fool You, and of course Strawberry Foam, so I hope you enjoy it.
with the fifth and final part that was Super Wookie with Done That The Sun Fool You and of course Strawberry Foam little funny stories as to well, well, at least for Strawberry Foam obviously the second one is a bit of a sensitive subject and there's nothing funny about that so we're going to talk a little bit more in depth as to what you're doing at the at present obviously you, you gig as much as you possibly can and obviously when you do that a lot with Adrian but what's happening in the Adrian Bicetta obviously they, they call you boys on the black stuff Adrian Bicetta in Alaska there's so many aliases but yeah. what's happening with that uh, as a joke, I told Adrian we should do the Adrian Pizzarello anthology show and have a little pay of everything that he's done. He's done so many things. Uh, and uh, I think I've been lucky enough to be the bass player for a lot of those projects, either recording or or playing. Um, what we're doing now, we're, we're still doing the Boys on the Black Stuff's uh, music, uh, mainly because we want to record a lot of songs there and we want to record that. We've got... Um, a gig coming up because obviously we, we, the Desirables have recorded but that's not finished yet I mean the recording is finished but the album's not out yet so when that happens we'll be doing something with that I suppose um, but we, I think we have a gig coming up on the 12th of July with the Undesirables uh, uh, here at the Rock of the Rock Club there's a, a I believe there's an American band coming and they play this similar sort of stuff and uh, that allows us to, to to play with them so and of course we will um, 
there's always another project in the horizon we're waiting. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to say, we have some ideas, but I don't want to say anything because it, it might change completely. Change yeah. like so <laughs> I don't give anybody any any ideas of what we're going to be doing. Uh, there's so much stuff I've done with Adrian that honestly I, I forget half of the things uh, that I've done with him to the point that I remember some years ago we finished the gig putting everything back into the Rock the Rock Club and Peter Martinez had his car outside and he goes Adrian I mix this song a bit more uh, um, this is one of the albums that Adrian that still hasn't come out it's uh, one, of, one of his projects um, I've done a bit more uh, with this song see what you think and he puts it on and I'm listening, it was a brilliant, I can't remember what it was called, but it was a, a brilliant song. And I'm thinking, oh, that's really good, it sounds really great. Peter, who's a bass player? That's a really nice uh, bass like he did there. And he looks at me, going, you know, with this que te pasa type of face. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's you. <laughs> Don't remember doing it at all. Yeah, now something, yeah, you did this song and you did, and he showed me another one. I can't remember doing that. And obviously, I can't remember doing that because it's in isolation. All I did was listen to an acoustic guitar in the background and play a bass along with that. <laughs> and then later, the electric guitars came in, the keyboards, the drums, or whatever else, and then the final thing sounds nothing compared to awesome. what I heard, no? Or so it has been explained to me. Um, but as I said earlier, um, with um, some of the other songs I've recorded... Um, I was surprised, uh, you know, when the boys of the Black Sabbath are doing do a version, as I said, of uh, uh, Bobby and Sue. Yeah. When Adrian, when I asked Adrian, look, do you have any tracks or things that I've recorded for, for the show? And he said to me, Bobby and Sue. And I go, what? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, yeah, you recorded it in, uh, I think, Nazareth House when they had a studio there. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember doing that either. I remember going to Nazareth House and recording. And I remember uh, this song's for you, we're going to uh, put on later. Um, and I remember uh, another song, I think it was called Maria, but not Bobby and Sue. Unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I don't even drink, so I can't even blame that. But anyway, like from what you've done, and obviously, like for the GLMS, obviously, to present day, you've seen a lot of growth. But where yeah. do you see the local music scene growing in the next maybe 10 years? <sighs> what worries me is that we went, we went to the voltage before to that coming yeah. young band. But that's it. I don't know of any others. I don't see that many. Uh, there are a lot of musicians because you just go. My, my my son and daughter go to Gampa. And my son is doing drums. He's doing level five now. And my daughter's doing piano, which she's only just started. And because I'm there waiting, you know, I see a lot of young kids, guitars, violins, and play piano, playing drums. My my son every year. That's part of the process. They do the little concert, sort of like a show and tell type thing, uh, the back of the show, and they do little competitions uh, and all that. And you look at that caliber, and I can tell you drumming, for example, it's quite high. You get these little yeah, kids, and I'm like, wow, uh, they're better than some of the idols I've played with in the past. No? Uh, but then you don't see the bands being formed. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that is because of that generation are more interested in you know, playing your Fortnite or whatever the latest thing is now yeah. together or or it will it will eventually come or people prefer you know DJ music and dance music but we've had that we've been there before yeah. when the DLMS started so it might be it might, it might be a chance to to revive that I don't know but it worries me a bit though that there's not that many young bands coming up um, and eventually you know all of us will be too old to play <laughs> um, and I, I hope it's not so but that worries me Live, as the live music scene goes, 
it's there. Yeah. Whether you like the axe or playing or not, it's up to personal choice, but it's there. Bars and Nelson are still doing it. Ivy is doing it. Um, oh, well, this new place down here. But, uh, sorry? Misfit Oh, yeah, Misfit. How can I forget Misfit? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Ali. <Andy. laughs> <laughs> um, no, talking about this place down in... Uh, Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame, yeah. They're doing, they're doing uh, live music. Gauchos are doing it in summer. Uh, Tell them Counter God have their live music thing, albeit uh, more acoustic or small, but it's what we can fit in there, really. Um, so it's there. It hasn't gone away, and, and people seem to enjoy having it, so so that's always good. And if you feel, I always say, feel that the live music seems to be going down, it means that you've got to do something new, something fresh, yeah. to get the interest going. So we'll leave it at that. There's a lot to go by. I think a lot of stories to tell, but... Obviously, when we play the music, there's not enough time, really. Don't. But anyway, it's great to have you, Jason. It's been great. Obviously, a long time coming, too. I mean, obviously, yeah, this is cool. I love the rescheduling, but we got there in the end. So we couldn't be prouder to actually have you on. And uh, like I said at the beginning, we can't thank you enough, really. Uh, and you and Alex and Jonathan for the ultimate blessing, I think. That's pretty much for everything that we do. Uh, Thanks for that. It doesn't feel, let's say, that it doesn't really feel like we, we did anything special. We just, we just felt like we didn't. We did what needed to be done, and there are a lot of people that helped us along the way. I mean, we, it was beheaded by us, but it wasn't just us. People that yeah. you know gave equipment, that gave their time. Um, obviously, everyone that performed, you know, um, more of a community. Yeah, it was a very fun time, I just say, and it still is a very fun time. When you get out there, there's live music on. It is a big thing still, but back then it was like and, a whole a whole different mess altogether. And when I'm with together with Alex or Donovan, Main Street or whatever. Somebody passes by. They used to come to Hurricane Lima shows, didn't they? You, you started to recognize them. You don't know who they are. You don't know their names. You don't, you've never spoken to them, but you recognize them from yeah. from, from the you know the earbashers and the other shows we used to do. And, you know, that, those, those memories will, will last uh, until, until, until we're gone, I suppose. It's always great to see. But anyway, we are, speaking about those old journalist gigs, we actually got a photo album that we're going to upload in the next few days. Oh, cool. Of old pictures that Ernest Slade sent to us as well, so we'll be sure to check them out. So, talk to Alex, he might have some as well because he yeah. obviously he run the JLMS website and I'm pretty sure he's got lots of stuff as well. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we, we went through the archives of the old JLMS just a few weeks ago as well, and we can still track it down. And there's a lot of things. And we actually came up and we saw the article that actually announced that Melon Diesel had broken up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, by the way. The GLMS live thing that Alex did, because was, that was Alex's movie. All that was before Facebook. Yeah, and it worked. And it worked. And, and I had a message board as well, which yeah, I was yeah, yeah. a very proud member of. I and we, and we <laughs> didn't care. We didn't send you ads or anything like that. And I, I tell Alex, Alex, you, you, you could have milked this, man. You could have, <laughs> you could have been the Mark Zuckerberg of, uh, you know. Yeah, true. Um, but the message boards were also very fun, because you had a lot of bands... Obviously, there wasn't a Spotify or iTunes even back then, but bands would actually upload the material as well, which was something we're going to work on in the near future as well. And, but it was something that actually works. I remember Dirty Work upload, used to upload the material. We actually acquired that material very recently as well. It's, it's funny you say that. I used to... Well, I'm not going to say where I used to work, but I, I used to work somewhere, and uh, I had a meeting with the guitarist from Dirty Work. They hadn't played for a while. And he's an accomplished... Uh, you know, um, a captain in his own right. Yeah, he is. And um, I remember sitting there in the meeting, we're waiting for this guy to arrive, and he goes, oh, by the way, uh, you know, he used to play guitar. And they're like, nah. Yeah, 
wait, I think I've got the track. And I, and I actually I actually had the track because I'd seen it on the children's website or whatever. It's uh, still a reverb connection, my dad. It looks like that. Is it? Yeah. Oh, the entire EP, my dad. I've got uh, it as well. But... I, I spoke to Chris Johnson yesterday. I actually bumped into him during the, you know, the election. And we're talking about that as well. Um, but, you know, people, you know, they, they, they're professionals in their own field, right? And people can't think of them as musicians. And I always find that funny. Yeah, that's very true. And I completely agree. Chris is very formal at work, but when you see him, when I used to see him on stage, I was always amazed because you would see one side of him and then see the other side, the rock and roll style. But it happens. Like I said, yeah, many yeah. musicians, you know, and it's not just them. But anyway, like we said, Jason, thank you for your time. And like we always say, keep on supporting local music because when you do, you're keeping local music alive. It's the best awesome. way to, to keep it that way. So thanks again, and we'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. I hope you enjoyed this week's, and we'll be back then. See you in the stage near you. And see you in the stage near you, indeed. See you later, and thanks for listening. Well, I've been meaning to tell you Ooh, I've been meaning to tell you how I feel How I feel about you Seems it's never the right time Seems it's always a bad time to express How I feel about you
Sometimes I'm sad that 